0: Good morning, church. How is everybody? All right. It's good to be. Yeah. Anybody happy to be in church? Anybody feel the Holy Spirit already? Oh, okay. God, me too. I'm really happy and grateful to Pastor for giving me the opportunity to teach and uh, just to share in the faith of Jesus Christ with you. We're in the third week of our series, The Blessed Life, which is inspired. We'll give credit where it's due to this book called The Blessed Life by Robert Morris. Truly one of the best books written on generosity um, ever, we believe. And we believe that so much that we want to give you a copy for free. It's not really for free because if you take it, we expect that you read it. Fair enough. Um, So you got to put some skin in the game and then we'll, then, right? But that's, I think that's the faith story. God says, you're going to be blessed, but you got to put skin in the game. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about this morning. The first two weeks pastor talked to us about a lot and taught us a lot. I think to narrow that down first that generosity it's an issue of the heart. Generosity is an issue of the of the heart. That's right. And second that God requires the first fruit. God requires the first portion the first offering of of all the blessings that we have, that when we get a paycheck, um, we're getting a test. Are we going to trust? Are we going to partner? Are we going to let God be God over every area of our lives? And I think what we've learned is that God makes big promises that when we live according to his will and when we put him and others uh, before ourselves, that God will, without question, pour out abundance on our lives. Anybody believe that this morning? But God doesn't want us to live for the blessing. He's, He's not wanting us to live and operate as though we have a genie in a jar. But he wants us to turn our hearts to him. To trust him, to, to truly love him back, to have a relationship, to share our, our lives with him, to obey him, to be united with him by giving our first, by giving our best as he did through Jesus to us. Brothers and sisters, our God is worthy. And I think that for me, that's what I really come face to face with when I think about the principle of the first, that our God is worthy. And through this principle of give your first, give your best to God, God is asking me to put skin in the game. God is asking me to choose. I can say that he's worthy, but will I live as though he's worthy? And I think for middle to lower class families, this can be harder. You know what I mean? When you put skin in the game, sometimes you you wonder, is he, gonna, is he gonna follow through? And I think the scripture talks about this. We're gonna look at that this morning, but when we do this, this is the promise God makes us, that when we put God first in our lives, everything will come into order. When we put god first in our lives everything will come into order and most of us know this second part but we don't know that it's true until we do the first part when we do not put god first in our lives nothing in our lives comes into order but only god can bring order into chaos and this is the paradox of our faith, brothers and sisters, that you got to put skin in the game. Christ has died that we would receive forgiveness of sins, everlasting life, the full reality of being united with God. Christ has died and given this to us, it's free. Somebody say it's free. Yes. But to experience this victory in the flesh, to experience it and have it as a, uh, as a reality, we have to behave so that we can belong and that's hard for a lot of us. That's the skin in the game I'm going to behave so that I, I belong some of us don't feel it. You got to behave to belong It's free if you have faith in jesus your sins are forgiven It's free But to share in the reality of the god who brings chaos into order we have to live as though it's true We have to surrender put him first in our, our lives and for, for a lot of us especially in regards to our financial situations. The principle of the first, it's throughout Scripture, but there's a Scripture in 1 Kings that I think really, really drives it home. 1 Kings 17, 8-14, if you want to open your Bibles and read along. Otherwise, it'll be on the screen. But just check this story out. This is powerful. It says, The word of the Lord came to him, Elijah, saying, Arise and go to Zarephath which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I've commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose, went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, "'Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink.' And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, "'Please bring me a morsel of bread.' of bread in your hand. And so she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread. Only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple sticks that I may go and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you've said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me, and afterward, make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel: the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor the jar of oil run dry, until the Lord sends rain on the earth. Okay, so here's the, this is what the story is about. Um, the prophets of God are crazy. <laughs> I'm j- I'm just joking. Um, so here's a long story. Elijah comes to this widow and she's flat broke and, and she has a handful of flour and she's got a little bit of oil in a jar and Elijah finds her and he says um, give me some bread and she's like I can't like this, this is the reality of our lives I've got enough to go make a little bread cake flour and oil like this already isn't an appetizing anybody amen <laughs> so, so I've got this to eat my son and I are still going to starve to death and Elijah says um hey don't be afraid do what you said you're going to do but before you do that bring me some food (laughs) but it's accompanied with this promise and if you do that you're going to have an abundance left over if go and do what you say you're going to do but then you're going to have plenty this is a relevant story to us brothers and sisters this is relevant isn't this relevant Anybody left here on Sundays thinking, we're doing a message series on tithing in a recession? We're doing a message series on tithing when groceries and gas and lumber and literally everything under the sun has never been so much more expensive. Pastor, we're doing a tithing series on tithing. And right now, there's a shortage of chicken and butter. And Anybody thought that? <laughs> <laughs> it's hard for this widow i think probably when you think about the diet that she has it's harder for her than for us but it's hard for us too and the reason it's hard for her the reason it's hard for us is because life has conditioned us life has conditioned us to believe i gotta protect everything that i have you know like i th- i'm a- i like country music like six out of seven country songs are about like I only take what I work for, you know what I mean? This is a mentality. This is the American mentality. I have to protect what I have. I'm not going to ask you for anything by God. I'm sweating my own brow. But here's what the Bible teaches that de- during a recession, when there's a shortage of chicken, which why? I like chicken. That's the best time to trust God. To partner with God. To live according to his ordinances. That's the best time. Because, brothers and sisters, when we are weak, he is strong. Yes. God sent Elijah to the widow. God didn't didn't send the widow. God didn't send Elijah so that Elijah would get a great meal. God sent Elijah so that the widow would have freedom, so that the widow would have provisions, so that the widow would have abundance. You, so brothers and sisters, we're not asking you to give so that we can get mansions and jets and four-wheelers, although do, I, I do want a four-wheeler and a truck. <laughs> do, do you guys Christmas bonuses? You, <laughs> you, you heard him say, yeah. <laughs> God sent Elijah to the widow so that God could provide for this widow. God gives us the truth of Scripture, to, to the call to give to him first, to trust him above all things so that God can provide for us. And this is what the Scripture says in verses 15 through 16. It says, so she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. Brothers and sisters, somebody say amen. 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 I've I've experienced this. My my last two pay periods, I've had things in the house break down. $500 bills that I wasn't expecting. And I thought, well, look, every dime is budgeted and accounted for. And you know what? We still had money left over at the end of both of these last... Because the word of the Lord is true. The flour bin, the oil's not going to run out. Hallelujah. Yeah. This happens. And I guarantee you that most of the people in this room that have tithed have this story. Raise your hand if you've tithed. So, <laughs> I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you don't. Now look around. Ask them. <laughs> I'm not trying to shame anybody. I just want somebody to give a witness. <laughs> If you know the story about Elijah and this widow, um, life doesn't necessarily get easier for her. It goes on and and it tells us that her son gets sick. Um, And then her son dies. So after she trusts God and gives the bread, and after... God proves my my word is faithful and true. Life continues to be hard for her. Um, Because brothers and sisters, here's what I think. I think that the devil, when as soon as we start to trust God's supernatural promises are stronger and more powerful, the devil's like, well, let's steal that truth from them. Let's steal that hope from them. Let's steal that confidence from them. Because I don't want them to be free. I want them to be in fear. And I want them to be in shame. And I want them to be in guilt. And are you with me? And so some, has anybody ever felt like, gosh, when does life, when is life going to give a little bit? Anybody ever felt like, I didn't know the devil was even worse? Than, yes, the devil is always worse. Her son dies, and Elijah begins to cry out to the lord this is what the scripture says in verses 19 through 22 it says and he elijah said to her give me your son and she took him out of her arms or he he took him out of her arms carried him to the upper room brothers and sisters you know that that's some foreshadowing There, we we've got to go to the upper room when life gets hard laid him on his own bed and he cried out to the lord and said listen this is, this is a freedom for you to be honest to God when life is hard. Lord, my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lodged by killing her son? And he stretched himself out on the child three times and cried to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, my God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him. Let this child's soul come back to him. Let this child's soul come back to him. Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah. The soul of the child came back to him, and he revived. Wow. Now, friends, there's a reason this story follows the reason, the, the story of the widow learning to, to give first. Because tithing's not about money. Oftentimes we... That's what holds us up. We think it's about money. Tithing's not about money. Uh, It's about giving honor to the God who has the power to revive. Honor to the God who has defeated the enemy. Honor to the God who's defeated the grave. Honor to the God who says, this might be the earthly reality, but I reach in and I revive. God wants us to tithe because tithing literally... Over and over, we've seen this story. Over and over, we've lived this story. Tithing brings provision and protection in our lives. It's not about money. In the flesh, in our sin, it's about money. In faith, it's about partnership. It's about surrender. It's about trusting the God who has known us from before we were born the God who has dreamed for us and loved us and sent his son for us. It is not about money. Brothers and sisters, God wants us to tithe because it brings protection and provision. It's not magic. It's surrender and trust and partnership with the God who reaches into our earthly realities and revives. And so we cannot approach tithing as slaves. We can't approach it as slaves. You know what I mean? Like, I'll give to God because life's hard. I'm going to give to God. I'm going to, in the hopes of being freed. In the hopes that life's burdens will lessen. Like, no, that's not, that's not it. We tithe in faith. It takes faith to tithe. We we tithe in faith because I, I give to God as one who has faith. I give him my first because my God is able to do immeasurably more than all we could think or imagine by the power of him who's work at work in me. Are you with me? Yeah, that's why we tithe. But a lot of us don't, do we? Why? because faith is a choice I think that we're all faced with the choice and we might not verbalize it like this but I I believe scripture presents it like this all given the choice regularly of faith or slavery slavery feels like power because the only thing I have to depend on the only thing that's required of me in slavery is myself my flesh are you with me feels like power I would almost say that sometimes if you're like me we lust for slavery it's so familiar it doesn't a lot of the times when I choose slavery I don't let myself down faith feels like weakness faith requires surrender and it it requires community it requires taking up my cross and following faith has to defeat flesh you know the story of adam and eve adam and eve had two sons does anybody know their names cain and abel that's right cain and abel um, and when we first meet cain and abel Uh, this is what we learn about them. I think Cain and Abel give us some insight on this slavery and faith. You can read along in Genesis 4. I'm going to start in verse 3. It says, In the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry. And his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. Its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. You've got to master that. Now Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. So when I was a, a kid, my grandpa had a small orchard and we had some apple trees and cherry trees and peach trees, and um, every year we would have to go out and harvest the fruit. And the goal was to get to pick the fruit off of the tree before it fell on the ground. Because once the fruit fell on the ground, it was within a day, it was, it was well, it was already ripe when it fell off the tree, and it was probably within a day the fruit was ruined um, by bugs. Scripture doesn't tell us why Cain and Abel brought their offerings. It, uh, there's not a, a record of God telling them to do this. Um, my, my assumption is that God taught their parents, and their parents taught them, and what we see is Cain's bringing an offering from the ground, the fruit that's already fallen, the fruit that benefited him the least. Cain is fulfilling an obligation. Are you with me? Like a slave to his master. Many of us who do not tithe, um, we, we have a heart like this. It's an obligation. But when we when we make... Obeying God an obligation. I, I think we can only fulfill obligation for so long before we start to resent the obligation. Are you with me? Like, this, who, who in here loves their children because it's well, it's an obligation. <laughs> like nobody. That's not that's not love, right? Who who stays at a job that they I feel obligated to go every day. Those jobs never work out well and you definitely don't get promotions, are you with me? Who who <laughs> husbands, who in here has like takes care of your wife, blesses her, knows her love language, makes her feel honored and special and valued because well it's an obligation. This is not how we have healthy relationships. Cain felt an obligation. And here's what happens, right? His enslaved heart has this obligation, and then it breeds some ugly things in his life. It breeds greed, and it breeds rebellion. It breeds fear. It breeds self-preservation. And so God loves Cain so much that he tries to sit him down and talk to him about it. Cain, why are you mad? If you did what is right, if you just loved me back, would you not be accepted? Would you not have peace inside? Would you not have provision in your home, over your crops, over your troubles, over your worry, over your sins, over your slaveries? But God also, he says, if, if you don't do what is right, sin is crouching. The devil is crouching. Death and destruction is ready to steal and kill and destroy every part of you. You have to master that, Cain. So Cain's given a choice again. This is God's grace. Cain, yeah. You messed up. I'm not happy with your offering. That didn't bless. That didn't bless heaven. Choose, again, slavery or faith. And Cain chooses, again, the most familiar. He heard the truth, but he followed his gut. I think over the last couple weeks, I think some of us have been hearing the truth and following our guts. That's not I'm not judging you. Like, I follow my gut way too often. I'm a sinner too. He heard the truth, but the truth didn't set him free. Some of us have been in church our whole lives, and we just still feel enslaved. The truth hasn't set us free. The truth didn't set him free because he didn't obey the truth. Because he didn't surrender to the truth. Because he didn't choose faith over slavery. He didn't turn. God wanted him to see, Cain, something's going on in your heart that needs to be fixed towards me. I've become an obligation that you resent. Brothers and sisters, listen, I think these are good signs for us. Um, Whenever we find greed in our lives, whenever we find fear, in our lives, whenever we find rebellion in our lives, that self-preservation. These are good signs sent to us by God so that we would examine and realize these are the very things that are trying to destroy me. We have to address the greed and the fear and the rebellion and the self-preservation. We have to address them. It's a gift from God when we see that it's there. Now some of us have been wounded in life and, and we're afraid to acknowledge that we fall short of the glory Can I, I'm just going to speak bluntly you've got to get over that you're a plain and simple a sinner because you're a sinner though you get to receive the greatest news that Jesus Christ has died to set you free I want to take a minute, and I want to show you a testimony of one of our, one of our sisters in this house. A testimony of a heart that's set right towards God. Um, take a minute. This is Jennifer McKenzie, and this is a, this is a powerful video. Just take a minute and watch this with me.
1: Hi, my name is Jennifer McKenzie, and this is my story. In 2008 my life was turned upside down by a divorce um, and divorce is traumatic enough and we all have different things if you've been through a divorce you have different things that go along with that um, a couple things that I had was I not only had to tell my nine-year-old daughter why and how her life was about to change But I was faced with having to figure out how to take care of my finances. When I was younger, I was never a good steward of my money. Um, I never wanted to take the opportunity to learn because I felt like I wasn't good at numbers. But what I didn't realize was the negative impact that it would have my life from not investing and trying to learn how to take care of my finances. And even though I grew up in a Christian home, I don't recall that, you know, tithing was ever talked about. Um, I think my parents probably did it, but it wasn't something that they talked openly with um, about with me or my siblings. So to me, tithing, you know, was really going to be a new experience for me, but I just, I did not have enough faith and trust in God to to let go of that money. Um, over, the, I guess, the last, from the time I got divorced um, and over the years to come, I, I obsessed about money. Um, I was so worried about where my money was going to come from. And even though I had a good job that paid really well, I always seemed to feel like I was living paycheck to paycheck. And, yeah, I would um, I would pray about it. And I even did things to um, try to help my situation. Um, I did try to tithe a couple times. But again, letting go of that money was really difficult for me. And I just wasn't trusting God. And and I knew at times he was speaking to me saying, Jennifer, you've got to trust me. You know, my word says you need to tithe. Um, just trust me and do it. But I refused. Um, so in that time, I... Uh, I tried to do it on my own. Um, And the result of that was uh, a bankruptcy where I lost my house and my car. I had wrapped up so much debt on credit cards. It was just, it's just unbearable now to think about. Um, And I even resorted to taking out payday loans at a 700% interest rate. Which made, just made my life worse. Just the, the anxiety that I felt on a daily basis because I knew I had all this debt it was just, it was traumatic for me. And I just, I really struggled. Um, but I continued to ignore what God was saying. Jennifer, trust me. Um, so finally, I think I have reached my lowest point. I had taken out so many um, payday loans that it took out my entire paycheck and left me with a negative balance Um, and at that point I vowed that I would never ever take another payday loan out again and so from there um, I started slowly making changes but still trying to do it on my own Um, and still I heard this whispering in my ear, Jennifer you gotta trust me you gotta trust me October of 2021 is when I first came to elevation. And um I when I walked in I knew that this is where God wanted me to be because I had been searching for a home, a place to call my home. Um and so I believe that Pastor Daniel was preaching on a Blessed Life series at that point in time, and um I, or he did soon after, and it really, God spoke to me through his message, and um, I knew that I had to start typing. And so, I took that first step, and I said, okay, God, I'm going to trust you with this. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I'm going to trust you. I started to type. I typed 10% off of my net, and um, which is what I had brought home after taxes. And after I'd done that a few times, I felt like God was saying to me, Jennifer, trust me more. And so I did. I started typing 10% off what I had made before taxes. Um, in December, of 2021, I became eligible for retirement from the state of Missouri, and I knew that I wanted to do something different. Um, uh, Like I said before, I was making good money, but um, I knew that uh, I always felt that God had something important for me. In January of 2022, I was approached by an agency called Every Child's Hope, and they had asked me, to interview for a position that they had opened. It was the director of foster care case management, and it was a regional position, which meant that I would be supervising three different regions across the state. And um, I, I accepted. I did the interview. I did that on um, January 28th. And then on January 31st, I got a phone call offering me the position. And my salary was doubled from what I was currently making with the state. Um, and you know, when God moves, he moves quickly, I had to give the state a month's notice to let them know that I was gonna retire. I had to do all that in one day. I had to do that by midnight <laughs> that night, got everything in and it just the doors just started opening. Um and ever since then, I've been with Every Child's Hope since March 7th. And it has been the best change <laughs> that's happened to me um, since I started trusting God with my finances. And um, even today, you know, I am faithful and tight because, you know, God just keeps blessing me and blessing me. And I just have to say, you know, during that time when I was not trusting God, I'm trying to do it on my own. I felt ashamed. I felt angry. I felt hopeless. Because I wasn't in control. Well, I didn't need to be in control. It was God that needed to be in control. There are always going to be consequences for the choices that we make. Um, And I had pretty bad consequences that hurt. It really hurt for a long time. But the good news is that God gave me the tools and the resources that I needed to help pay off my debt and to make better choices. I can say that trusting God is the best thing I could have done. The end.
0: (laughs) How powerful is that? Yeah, Jennifer shows us a, a, a heart that is for God. Jennifer, she proves that tithing isn't about money. She shows us a different heart. You know, growing up, we also had a cattle farm. And, uh, and where do you think we made our money on that cattle farm? From the calves. It, it was the calves. The calves is what we would get our meat from for the whole year. The calves is what we would sell um, to pay the bills for the year, and and the scriptures said that Abel brought of the firstborn, and of their fat, everything that Abel would depend on in his flesh to survive. This is what he brought to God first. You know, I remember when we when we would butcher a cow, my grandpa would always my, well my grandma would make it because my grandpa didn't know how to cook, but my grandpa grandma would make porterhouse steaks and grandpa would always give me the first serving and uh and i never asked for it in fact i didn't really it didn't register until i was older because i didn't care as much about steak Uh, i mean now i really care a lot about steak (laughs) 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 but grandpa wanted to show me that um i was first to him and that he loved me and Um, that I would never be forsaken by him and that anything he had um, was also mine. And so he offered it to me of his own accord every time. Um, And that's beautiful. I mean, it makes me like in my flesh just love my grandpa so much more. I, I mean, I just will never stop. But can I tell you God wanted that from my grandpa. Like I got what was meant for God and this is what God wants from us he wants us to love him above all things and that can be scary and that can be hard but that's Abel's heart that's Jennifer's heart and then God proves that when you love him like that everything falls into place So, God asked that in faith we would offer of our own accord, that we would love Him, because this is where freedom is found. This is is actually Heaven's plan for our lives, that we would know God loves us and we'd love Him back, and that we would have every blessing fall out upon us. And here's the beauty, church our God leads by example. He gave us his first first, his best first, the full portion. God didn't give us a tithe. He gave us all of it, the full portion freely while we were yet sinners. This is the faith that we rejoice in. For God so loved the world that he gave his only, his firstborn, his first fruit, his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish But have everlasting life. And so, church, if God gives us his best, there's the paradox. Then we are asked to respond accordingly. I'm going to ask you this morning to bow your, your heads and close your eyes. It's not about money. It's not to provide for the church. It is to provide for you. Abundant life. Blessed life. It's to provide. It's to protect. There's no other reason that God asks us to give to Him first. I sense there are people in this room that are in a a real tug of war between faith and slavery. I remember when I came to faith, it sounds dramatic, um, but I was 19 years old and I was in A little studio apartment in Galesburg, Illinois, and it was three o'clock in the morning, and I had been abusing my freedom and in a very powerful way. God and the devil began having a tug of war over my life. It hurt, and it was scary. and for some reason I I was so scared that I had the courage to call and, and, and ask somebody for help I said I feel like God and the devil are having tug of war over me I'm terrified I don't want to be alone and the advice that I got was go to church give your life to Jesus let God win Brothers and sisters, God is fighting on your behalf. That your reality would be one of grace. That you would be a son, a daughter, not a slave. Whatever you are facing, God wants to face it with you. In fact, he has already faced it for you so I just want to invite you this morning if you have not given him claim over your life pray with me today is the day that the Lord has made church I want to we're all going to pray this together so no one's praying alone so repeat after me Lord Jesus I need you I give you my life forgive me I do not want to run anymore I do not want to be a slave anymore I receive your grace I receive your freedom I put my life in your hands god who provides god who protects we pray that you would secure that faith this morning that you would secure those souls those lives that have turned to you i pray god for the ways that that others in the room myself included might run from you god we turn back to you today we declare our lives are yours we put you first you are the only one worthy Thank you, God, that your word is true. We pray that you'd never become an obligation to us, but let let us love you back. We pray in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. And the church said, amen. Let us just give a big round of applause for those who gave their life to Jesus this morning. Amen. All right, stand up and let's worship the God who reigns.